Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Strong Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and stronger life. Building a life that you love starts with you owning your health and intentionally creating the best version of yourself. So if you're looking to better understand how proper nutrition, daily movement, mindset work, and strength training can help you create a life full of happiness and health, then you are in the right place. I generally hope that the tips, tricks, and information we share will be the catalyst for change. I'm your host, Adam Lane. It's time to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Happy Healthy Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lane. With me today, Anna. Coach Hannah Moon, coming over. And our special guest, that's Annette Zapp. Annette, thanks for joining us today. Hey, that's me. Yeah, that, um, that thanks is. for having me. From Montgomery, Illinois, the heartland of America. I think that's the what mean, it's called. mean, mean streets of Montgomery. That's where I'm from. <laughs> Not originally, but that's where I live right now for like at least another couple months. The, 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 are you moving? Oh, yeah. This is so cool. So I retire in one year. And for once in my life, I am sort of like being self-aware enough to realize that the housing market is likely not going to be as good mm-hmm. in one year as it is right now. So I casually put my house, uh, not even on the market, for sale by owner. And I have someone interested and I think we're going to get it under contract. And so I'll be out of here in a couple months into an apartment. And then life is starting all over after I retire. Wow. So exciting. No, wow. Look at you. Look at me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mean, mean streets of Montgomery for at least a couple more months. There we go. There we go. So, um, and for the, the, the tens of people that listen to the show that might not know you and, and, and why you're such a big deal, um, can, can, can you tell them all about you and why you're such a big deal? I love that you think that I am a big deal, but um, well, here's me. I am a scientist by training. I have a master's in biochemistry. I am a firefighter by choice. And now I put those two skill sets together to run my business fire rescue wellness which is tagline dedicated to the health and wellness of firefighters worldwide and so i do a lot of different things but i do educational programs for fire departments i manage health and wellness programs i just oh, too tens of listeners on my podcast too yes there we go and, um you know what, the only thing that I really kind of don't do anymore, I don't do one-on-one training with firefighters. It's all through the department. So it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it, I feel like it's um it's a better opportunity to hit more people at once. Yeah. It's just not my it's just not my thing anymore. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Now Montgomery has, because the reason I do know it is that you guys have one of the oh gosh, what is it? Testing centers. At, for fire? No, is this not the You're right? Thinking Naperville. Am Probably I thinking Naperville? Everything's in Naperville. It, it, I don't it, even know if it's Naperville anymore. I'm not sure, but we do not. If I if I, want, if I want to become a firefighter and and pass the what's the test called? The CPAT. Thank C-pad. you. And I'm I want to do the things. I want to carry the hose and I, I want to walk the steps and da da da. Where do, where's the closest place to you? Do you know? Um, yes, you're going to get in contact with Alex Griff, who runs the CPAT training program for Mavis 24. And right now, I think Hazelcrest is where he works, but I'm not yeah. sure if that's exactly where the training facility is. I'm just proud of myself right now. That was good. I knew something. That, that, that was, that was, I don't know why Montgomery's in my head. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm getting, 
Montgomery is such a happening place that, you know, you just, you know, you never know where. I know we got the dining, we got the shopping, the theater, like everything's in Montgomery. Nuts. Fire sure. department is on, you know, phenomenal. Uh, I think it's um, Montgomery. Now, see, you're, you got me not knowing things again, but I think it's <laughs> Montgomery Countryside or something like that. Oh. It's like a little part-time department. Uh, I'm not sure. There we go. Well, here, and let's go, let's go into what you know lots about. Okay. So <laughs> you, you said, cause this is very unique. Like, I don't really know of anybody else that does what you do. Like we train people in person, like that's where the fire people come to us and, and we do lots of fun things. You're doing it from a, just so you can hit more people. Like we, we, we noticed that you're speaking at um, the NSCA regional conference up in um, Waukesha. Waukesha here, April 1st, because you're a big deal. And you have lots of letters after your name, CSCS, asterisk D, tech, or what's the tactical thing, asterisk D. Like I have a problem. You do lots of things. No, I collect certifications. It's a sickness. Bad. So the, the if okay, just so your listeners know, this is interesting. The CSCS is really the pretty much the gold standard in not just my opinion, but in a lot of opinions, the gold standard for strength and conditioning. If you have that credential, even if you want to work in tactical, there is no reason to get the tactical certification. <laughs> that one was designed for the end user, the firefighter the military person, the law enforcement guy, it was a guy or a woman. It was designed as sort of a train the trainer certification so that you could get, you know, five, 10 of your people spooled up on some of these concepts and then they could train the rest of the department. So just so you know, you don't need the TSIG certification. Just get the one, just get the CSCS and then, and then be good. Now, do, you, do you have the distinction piece because of all the um, speaking and presenting that you do is that what puts you over the top because I, I looked into that and I was amazed with how much I love education I love getting smarter I love you know learning something new I never think I know everything but holy buckets was it a lot of hours in which to put in in which to get the little d after my name yeah so it is super helpful to speak and because you do get additional and I get additional credits for reviewing for the journal and you get additional credits for writing questions and there's all kinds of ways to get these additional credits, but it is a lot of work. That said, I do so many of these activities that usually it only takes me one year of the three year recertification process to get my credits. So it's definitely doable, definitely doable. There we go. Going back to how big of a deal that you are. Hannah is the organized one here and has a few questions for you, if you're okay with it. She's just going to boom right at you. Hannah, what do you got? I want to go back to, you mentioned train the trainer. Um, I know you have thoughts on peer trainers and fire departments versus a civilian strength and conditioning coach. So I wanted to hear your pros and cons of each and where you stand and where you support either. always try to be very, very tactful with this, but the long and the short of it is if you are a law enforcement officer or a firefighter or a soldier, when that is your first job, you're not coming into it with experience with personal training or whatever. I think you're really setting up your department for failure by putting those people solely in charge of the program. Those people can work 
fabulously as a force multiplier under the careful tutelage of someone that's really qualified and competent. And also, even if you have someone within your department, let's say your local department has a dietitian, a practicing dietitian who is a firefighter, you're still setting up your department for failure if you're asking that dietitian to do stuff in their free time, on duty, on paid. And so I truly believe that the answer is to have a highly qualified full-time person, whether that's a civilian or someone from the department, highly qualified full-time to run the program and oversee it, and then use those TSAC facilitators or peer fitness trainers as the force multipliers. Because again, you are not only setting up your department for failure, you're setting up those TSAC facilitators and those peer fitness trainers for failure. So that said, I do realize that there are a lot of departments out there that are either volunteer, paid on call, part-time, or very small, and it's really difficult for them to figure out how to afford these services. And so that's where I think they need to get creative. Um, just as an example, my friend Megan, the Rescue RD, offers seminars online. And so you purchase the seminar, and then everyone in the, in the department can watch it. It's a way of getting some training without having your own dietitian. I heard, I don't remember what podcast it was. I don't know if it was your own podcast or the Power Athlete podcast listening to that. Those are my children. That's why it's so loud. Um, uh, something along the lines of, hey, if you're training, hey, there's a new piece of equipment and you want to send Todd to the training because, you know, Todd's a smart guy and he's good with his hands and blah, blah, blah. Oh, Todd. But you want to bring Todd back and tell, hey, this is how the new piece of equipment work. That's great. But you just don't want to be like, hey, Sydney, you look like you're in good shape. How about you teach everybody else how to be healthy? Uh, not maybe the best idea. Yeah, I, I say that all the time, but I definitely said that on the Power Athlete podcast for sure. And the other thing that I think that, that we have to realize is that even if someone is, everyone wants to use the word passionate, passionate about fitness, or I love it, or I'm interested in fitness, that puts them so far to the left on the Dunning-Kruger curve. They don't realize what they don't know. And so there's not that ability to nuance things. So their answer to a question, if someone said, hey, I'm trying to lose some weight, their answer is simply work out more and eat less. And that is the end of their ability to give advice. But what if working out more and eating less, and what if that person's already been doing that? What if that person has been doing that for six months and they're not getting results? We need someone that has the education to nuance that answer. Ask about sleep, ask about all of the things. How intensely are you working out? What is your stress level? And nuance those answers. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions about this topic. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. Well, and and not to not to hijack Hannah because she's so many questions. In the way of if if you were, because because I also like how simple you you broke it down too. Because like my biggest pet peeve with with it because I'm 43. We we've owned the gym for 11 years. I've been coaching athletes for for the last 21 years. I get so frustrated when I when I see the latest you know Instagram thing of somebody doing some strength thing, you know, upside down on a ball and doing the whatever whatever it might be. Like it just there's so much like simple foundational stuff. If if you were to simplify your methodology or your your attitude towards how first responders need to be trained. Um, which I don't think is that much different than regular adults, but like, <laughs> um, 
what, what, what does that look like? What is, what's good, healthy training for first responders? Okay, I'm going to probably go on a tangent, so remember your question and redirect me. But are you familiar with Dan, John, and his, it's, it's basically called Ice Cream, Eyewash, and Mexican Food. It's a little blog he wrote. And basically, it's like, what's a taco? Meat, cheese, vegetables, and a tortilla. What's a burrito? Meat, cheese. It's all the same. It doesn't matter if you get a chimichanga or you get a, a taco salad. It's all the same. And his analogy was training grandma on an NFL player and even someone that's injured. It's more the same than it is different. Look at me. I remember the question now. So when we're looking at first responders, we need to look at the small ways in which they're different. One of them is they are sleep deprived, chronically, not acutely, chronically sleep deprived. They are traumatized, so they have emotional stress that the normal civilian doesn't have. They also, many of them, and I don't super condone this, but I also do it myself, many of them have secondary employment. So it's not like they go home on their day off and just veg out and relax. Many of them have families. So we have to keep all of that in mind when we're training for the first responder. But my philosophy is this get them moving well, especially hinging, because hinging is it's difficult for people for some reason, get them moving well, um, paying attention to those joints that tend to cause problems. So ankle, hip, and T-spine, and then just making it, keeping it simple and um, keeping them on task because we are very much all or nothing. We're on the program, or we are freaking off the program. Getting them to do a little bit consistently every day is better than I'm not doing anything for six months and then I'm going hard for six weeks. So basically getting them moving well, keeping it simple and getting them consistent and making sure they sleep. That's kind of my, I guess, four things and not necessarily in that order. Here we go. That's fantastic. Cause I would argue the same thing for, for a regular adult, you know, athlete and with the big, big difference, huge difference is that, that sleep deprivation thing. Like that is, that, that is such a big deal that I don't think people realize. And, um, can, can we generalize that firemen and you kind of said that earlier, but like have that. And I don't know if it just comes with the, that selflessness that they have in which to do the, the job that they do, but like that all or none attitude, is that pretty, can we stereotype? Yes. Okay. I think it's, the thing is that if you're not a type A personality, you're probably not going to make it in this job. And there's some decent research out there to say that certain types of people are attracted to this work. And so um, if you're familiar with, excuse me, I've been sick for like forever. So sorry. If you're familiar with the concept of adverse childhood experiences, there's basically 10 of them that they categorize into three main buckets. And, you know, there's all kinds of ramifications for these adverse childhood experiences. There's, you know, epigenetic ramifications. There's the fact that you could develop hypertension later in life based on all of these things. There's risk for PTSD and suicide. There's also some data out there that says 
first responders and military, uh, that is a career that draws people with these adverse childhood experiences. So not only are we type A personalities, we're also out to save the world, regardless of what it takes and usually at our own expense. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Not very cool, but. Well, no, but I mean, that, I mean, that, <laughs> that gets, for people not in it, like I, I've not been, you know, I'm not a fireman. Um, I, and the guys that come in are funny. They are entertaining to me. Um, and gal. And gal. We have one gal. Yeah. One gal um, in the department. But it, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a unique group. And mm -hmm. I, th I think it's, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you see, <laughs> I think the biggest that's part good insight. that you kind of touched on is like training them is good, but getting them to buy into the program, are they all in or all out? I think that is the hardest part being an outsider coming in, presenting a program. Um, that's the hardest part that I found. So do you have any tips for yourself, um, for other people on your outside civilian starting this, how do you get them to buy in? Oh, I got you. So I don't use the word buy-in. In my head, I use trust. Trust is just another word for buy-in. And so if you just think of it as, I'm not trying to convince them of anything. I'm just simply showing up every day and working to earn their trust. Once you have their trust, then you are like, you are golden. And so I have this little matrix that I use. And first time I ever talked about it was um, on a podcast, the NSCA podcast with Scott Caulfield. And we were just sitting at the national conference riffing back and forth. And it just came to me. I didn't, I hadn't put words on it before, but the first one is um, they're all in pain. And so if you can get them out of pain, and sometimes that's just as simple as some soft tissue work or maybe a referral out for PT or, or whatever. Um, sorry, number one is meet them where they are. Let's just start over. Number one is meet them where they are. Exactly. And so if they tell you, the only thing that I am going to do is CrossFit, say, okay, perfect. If they say, I run marathons and I refuse to lift weights, say, wonderful, meet them where they are. So number one, meet them where they are. Number two, get them out of pain. Every one of us are in pain. The third thing is to help them do something they want to do, but they current, currently can't do. Now, if you're interviewing me, you know what I want to be able to do? I want to be able to hop up and down off the floor and not look like I'm 80. That's what I want to be able to do. Now, you might have to dig a little bit like, Annette, why do you say that? Why do you want to do that? What does that mean to you? Well, for me, I have bilateral meniscus tears I just found out about. and um, for me, it means that I'm healthy, I'm capable, and I'm not old. That's what it means to me. So meet them where they are, get them out of pain, help them do something that they can't do, that they want to do. And the fourth one, then, and only then, can you start working on performance and body comp and all of those things? Because you got them as soon as you get them out of pain. You got them. That's fantastic. That it's funny how that pain thing, and again, I, I, I'm so different now at 43 than I was at 23, um, and 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 how that pain is a limiting factor. And if I'm, I had some reconstructive wrist surgery a year ago, and it it has limited me so much. I I didn't realize how much of a pain in my butt it would be, but it, it's it changed my fitness, limited my fitness, um, then changed my mood, my attitude towards you know 
is Adam working out or what am I doing to work out? Or I want to do this work, but my wrist hurts. Da, da, da. And then it affects how I eat. And then it, and the cycle life there. And yeah, that's fantastic. Let me tell let me tell you this. I was never a wonderful runner, but I was a high school uh, short distance runner. Then I started, I ran a few marathons. I wasn't great. I kind of got away from that and really got into weightlifting, short distance running, walking. Well, maybe five years ago, the running just got painful. It wasn't fun. I'm not a small person. I just felt like I was lumbering like an elephant. So I just, I gave it up. I would only do running as sort of like sprinting or conditioning. But I was super happy. Like I could lift whatever weights I wanted to do. My squat wasn't beautiful, but I could do it. Um, I've never been able to do unassisted pull-ups, but I could do them with a band. And like, I was super happy. And then... And like my, my squat form got really shitty. So now I have to do only goblet squats. And then my knees got really sore. So then I couldn't row anymore. So then I was going for a lot of walks, which was fine. Like I'm super happy. Walk every damn day. That was my campaign for a couple of years. And now it's like, I can barely walk. I can't get up and down off the floor. I sure as hell can't squat. And I'm like, I'm... I'm tired of now accepting the new normal. And so it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And so I'm sure every other firefighter has a similar story. And if you can help them get out of pain, they will love you forever. Love it. We're trying. That's the goal. We're doing it. And um, what else you got here? This is great. What do you believe is the most dangerous habit right now in the fire industry? That's from a wellness perspective. Mm. Well, I I can't say most dangerous, but I'm going to give kind of a joint answer. We know that shift work is carcinogen. We know that firefighting is carcinogen, a class one carcinogen, in fact. So I'm going to give a joint answer of not paying attention to sleep and exposing yourself unnecessarily to extra carcinogens in terms of wearing your gear on calls where you wouldn't need to wear your gear, um, putting it on in the middle of the night instead of putting on your clothes to go on an EMS call. And then my big one that I'm just absolutely so angry about is doing physical fitness training in your gear. So and by physical fitness training, don't get it twisted. I'm talking about burpees, rowing, biking. I'm not talking about forcible entry, throwing ladders, pulling a hose. If we look at it from a training perspective, doing handstand push-ups in our gear and our air pack is the equivalent of a football player doing bench press in full like helmet pads and uniform. But the only difference is there's probably no life-threatening risk to the football player. For us, there's life-threatening risk. And so when I look at firefighters doing it, I can kind of be like, oh, maybe they don't know better. But when I see coaches programming it, I get hot. I get so hot. And so to answer a question in succinct terms sleep 
And then extra exposures, I think, are the biggest deal we are dealing with right now. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I saw you talking about, and we've never had them work out in gear here. So when I took over the program, I made sure that was an absolute no. And the only time is the consumption drill that we recently ran with them. But other than that, it's it's an absolute no yeah. from our side. And I don't think they've really oh. ever asked, have they? Have mm-hmm. they? Yeah, I mean, I'd, but I have seen, the, again, going back to the random Instagram things of, hey, I'm going to do Murph and whatever gear. And just like, why? What are you? What? Are, ah. And then again, like the, the way you, I looked at it is, hey, this is ridiculous. You look at it as a, this is hurting you. Like this is not, mm-hmm. this is not a healthy thing for you to be doing. Um, and I don't know if people either A, don't know that or B, it doesn't matter because they're on the gram. So. Well, and you know, I had a, I'll, I'll keep them anonymous to protect the the innocent, but I met a, a gentleman a few years ago on the gram. Um, and actually he was introduced to me by a, a friend who had, they had worked together previously and he is he's an amazing guy and he got hired as a firefighter um in his 40s and he just was pumping out this content of him doing stuff in his gear like push-ups in the scba and gear and and all of this stuff and so i i called him and i need conflict i really do but i called him and i'm like can we have a conversation and he was really open to it and I said, bro, what, what are you doing? And he said, well, here's the thing. When I do something in my sweats, uh, I get like 400 views. And when I do something in my fire gear, I get like 6,000 views. And I said, uh, understood. I <laughs> really understand. But also 400 views is way more than I ever get, bro. So there's that. <laughs> and then but I said, you know what you have now, you have the eyes on you. This is your opportunity to say, Hey, I, I learned, I, I actually learned that this is not a good thing to do. And so he, he started, he's many, many of his videos now are him in his gym gear. Now, every once in a while, he sprinkles in one of those sexy ones in his air pack, but, <laughs> and it's true. Like I just saw one the other day, 6,000 views, but you know, he is using his platform in a positive fashion and AZ had some conflict resolution. Let's just, let's just note that too. Cause I hate conflict. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's, that's good to know. And again, I don't know if people know that or if firemen yeah. know that. I yeah. would think they would know that. Yeah. Well, our the people that they're always like, we don't understand the people like have a newborn baby and they put the baby on the gear for, the oh, no. you know, so they seem very <laughs> aware of that as well. Yeah. Well, and you know, I won't, I won't wander too far off the topic, but you know, we have to think of the carcinogens that are getting put in that gear as a result of firefighting. So exposure to soot products of incomplete combustion and refrigerant that's leaking out of all of those things are carcinogens but we also are becoming aware now that they're the PFAS the forever chemicals that are literally painted onto our gear and those are also very detrimental to us so even if someone said I have a brand new set of gear like it came out of the box and it went on my body and it and I work out in it and I never go, went to a fire still wouldn't do it because you're bathing yourself in in those chemicals. Yuck. Yeah. And then what else we got? I have. So you've kind of become 
the, seems like you've become the sleep guru a little bit, <laughs> pushing, pushing sleep with everything. So I wanted to hear your recommendations on how can you increase the quality of sleep for those first responders? Oh, I love this. So here's the thing with sleep. Um, when we raised our right hand and said, we will protect and serve, we lost control, some of our control, um, usually every third night, whatever schedule you work. So I can't help it if Mabel fell out of bed at 2 a.m. and I need to go pick her up and dust her off and put her back to bed. I truly can't help that. But what I can help is that if I go to bed at the firehouse and at least attempt to give myself seven to nine hours of sleep, I got five hours of sleep before we even had to go pick up Mabel, whereas my younger counterparts are up playing Call of Duty, smoking cigars, and now they have a dartboard. Yikes. So the biggest thing that I say is to control what you can control. We can definitely have more control off-duty for sure. And then control everything we can on duty. So go to bed a little bit earlier, easy on the caffeine and the nicotine. Um, Off-duty, obviously, stay away from the alcohol. But it's definitely a disruptor of sleep. And then there's the usual sleep hygiene things, you know, the cool room, the dark room, the background noise, the kick the dogs out of bed, the go get a sleep study if you have apnea. All of those things are housekeeping sort of issues. But my biggest thing is you have to give yourself that seven to nine hour sleep opportunity or you're never going to get it. Drop the mic. Yep. So if, um, cause I'm thinking not only, I guess, first responders, but I'm thinking our nurses and, and stuff like that. So if you, if you're on a 24 hour shift and you know, you're, you're basically going and not sleeping from 8am to 8am. Um, and then all of a sudden you're off and the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. Do, do you have a recommendation for, do you go home and go to bed right then? Do you go through the day and then try to go to bed at night and like get a normal night sleep? Um, and then you do that, do that two days in a row and then wake up and, and then go to work again the third day. What's, is, is there a, is there best practice when it comes to that? It's largely dependent on the person. Uh, it depends on several things. First off, if let's say you work where I work, which is kind of close to the city, and then maybe I live in Rockford, and I got no sleep, well, probably one of the strategies that I'm going to need to do is either take a quick nap at the firehouse before I go home, or what most people are going to do is grab a caffeinated beverage and puff it out and get home. So now you have a caffeinated, you have that caffeine in your system, so your sleep inertia is down a little bit. Most people then aren't going to be able to take a nap right away. So in that case, I would say get yourself home safely, whether that involves, again, the nap at work or having the beverage, and then get yourself doing some activities during the day, and then try to take a substantial nap in the afternoon, not a nap that's so long that it's going to mess up your nighttime sleep. So maybe one to two sleep cycles, so maybe 90 minutes to 180 minutes of sleep in the middle of the day, and then try to get on that good schedule um, at night. The other things that can really help is that, you know, a lot of fire departments, unfortunately, are still under this sort of, we don't pay you to sleep regimen or regime. And what they really need to understand is that what they do pay us for is to be ready to be to respond. 
um, when you guys call 911 for someone in your practice that's gone down, you don't want three half-assed, sleep-deprived um, idiots showing up. You want the best, most prepared first responders. And so that does, in my opinion, um, lend itself to allowing napping on duty. And so the napping on duty, everyone likes to talk about the nappuccino or the 20-minute nap with a little bit of caffeine prior to the nap. That seems to work for people pretty well. Once you get into that like hour nap or a little bit longer, you're going to wake up feeling groggy and disoriented because of where you wake up in that sleep cycle. So on duty, trying to get a nap, at least one of them, going to bed at a decent hour, and then doing your absolute best off duty for sure. Nappuccino. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the military came up one. with that. Yeah, the military came up with it. So it's about 80 milligrams of caffeine. And then you lay down, hopefully fall asleep right away. Um, set your timer for 20 minutes. So in 20 minutes, you're waking up. You're still in that light and one sleep. And the caffeine is kicking in at the same time. You should feel like a million dollars. That's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't know that was. <laughs> I didn't know. That's awesome. The military does a ton of research on sleep. Um, Dr. Allison Brager, actually major Dr. Allison Brager is one of my great friends. And we we jam about sleep all the time. And that's that's one of the things they came up with. I think it was at Walter Reed. It's a pretty good, pretty good weapon. Yeah. Very cool. I've listened to um Dr. Kirk Parsley, um, who uh, power athlete's been connected with for for a long time. I mean, he, former Navy SEAL, and then he, really he had no intention of becoming the the sleep doc, um, but he found all these Navy SEALs coming to him with all these issues of of everything, everything you could possibly because he he was a medical doctor, um, and ninety percent of the success or ninety percent of the, the the fixing this was hey get more sleep hey get more sleep hey get more sleep um which is easy to say harder to do um and since then he's come up with a supplement and stuff like that but super switched on guy but no I as not as exciting as it is get more sleep is usually the answer well and you know sleep is not sexy but this is how I get their attention and this is Dr. Parsley's information too but those Navy SEALs that were coming to him Navy SEALs are what 24 25 it's maybe 30 they're coming to him and they have testosterone in the 200s yeah. okay 300 is what they say is normal i would not say that's normal for a 25 year old guy and so i kind of i i bring that information to my my gentleman in the fire service but the other thing that i'd like to tell them is that university of chicago did a study on they sleep deprived young healthy males the thing is they only sleep deprived them for five days and they still got five hours of sleep. That's more than our typical firefighter gets. And by the way, they've been firefighters for five years or 10 years or 30 years. And in just five nights, the testosterone was suppressed by 15%. Go to sleep. Yeah. I got so passionate, I hit my microphone. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think if most guys know that if their testosterone is going to go in the tank, if, if they don't sleep, I think, I think that's a thing. I think that's a, yeah. Well, I gave this lecture nine times recently at a fire department. So I have it pretty much down, but I say, all right, these are rhetorical questions. I hate it when presenters are all like making you raise your hand and is everyone having a good day louder? Oh, I hate these rhetorical <laughs> questions. 
But I say, since starting the fire service, have you ever picked a fight with your wife and then wondered later, well, why did I do that? Have you ever come home and screamed at your kids? Have you developed a thick midsection? Have you noticed that your things don't work as well as they did previously? Are you losing muscle mass? Um, are you having trouble making decisions? And I just I lay it on thick. And even though I tell them not to raise their hand, they're like raising their hand. And then I say, all of these things, if you want to look better, feel better, play better, do better on promotional exams, and just be a more kick-ass person, you need to sleep. It gets their attention. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what they're interested in. You know, that's what they want to hear about. So it's a great way to get them to start listening. Right. And if I need to put it in a little package with a bow on it, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Good. Hannah, what else you got? Um, if you could build your dream team of a fire department wellness program, what professionals would you include in that dream team? Wait, do I have monetary like no, limits? No limit. It's an unlimited budget. Hannah, <laughs> you're the best. All right. <laughs> Let's review. I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a nutritionist. I would first and foremost put an athletic trainer on the staff. Okay. Not me, an athletic trainer. So athletic trainer followed by strength and conditioning specialist, followed by dietitian. Mm, hold on, hold on. Nope, mental health professional, mm. then the dietitian. And maybe if I needed it, I would put some force multipliers, some peer fitness trainers or something like that. But athletic trainer, strength coach, mental health professional, dietitian. and can I elaborate a little bit more? I am telling departments, if you have at least 50, five, zero people at your department, full-time people, I truly believe that you should have 51. And the 51st person should be a health and wellness professional full-time on staff. And they're like, hey, but we can't afford that. I'll get you three to one return on investment. Even if that health and wellness professional isn't the greatest one in the whole world. You're going to get three to one. San Antonio Fire got 10 to one on an athletic trainer. No brainer. 10 to one. So how's the, I'm a numbers guy. How, how, how do you figure those numbers? How are those numbers in the way of sick days and, and days off and hurt days and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the very last explanation I almost flipped my table over. The very best explanation I have of this, uh, Dr. Morishe, who is the athletic trainer for oh, White Chapel Township, White River, uh oh, White something Indiana Township. Um, she took, let's say you have a firefighter with a knee injury. So then she goes to the Department of Labor Statistics, finds what is the typical number of days that someone in an industrial type job is off on a knee injury. So let's say that's 30 days. Okay, so then she translates that to shifts, which would normally be 10 shifts for a firefighter working 24 or 48. Then 
she was very conservative and she said we're gonna have to fire we're gonna have to fire we're gonna have to hire back to cover this firefighter we're gonna pretend that we don't even have to pay them overtime we're gonna pay them straight time and then she figured out how much faster she was getting people back than the national average and took that number of shift days so we're not talking calendar days we're talking sh actual shift days they worked and she was able to figure out their return on investment i can't remember exactly what it was i think hers was maybe five to one but hers is very conservative because not only um did she not factor in the actual overtime rate she also didn't take into consideration all of the other expenses that she saved by getting them back faster. So um, her method, again, very, very um, conservative, but also pretty impactful. Uh, episode eight, nine, <laughs> nine of the Fire Rescue Wellness podcast, she talks about that, how she figures it out. Okay, I'm gonna have to give that, I'd be, Curious to have a conversation with Chief Hart and see what uh, I'm kind of curious because well, our our experience with with Los Park is it, it's been a slow bleed. It didn't it didn't start off like gangbusters. It was a, it really like earning the trust piece that you were you were you know talking about earlier, um, and then a little bit better, a little bit better. We're um, heading on year four, yeah. so it's been a long journey, but we're at a great spot right now. Yeah, absolutely, and you know you can also think of it a couple different ways if you're it's hard to talk about injury prevention because can we really prevent an injury i don't know i just did a post on it today but it, let's just say we save one back injury and i can't remember what the national total for back injury right now is 100k something we save one back injury every couple of years because that's not just the expense to the department too that is a life-altering event for a human being that can have uh, mental health ramifications. It can have family ramifications. It can have you can't work ever again ramifications. And so although we should talk about return on investment, I truly believe that, we shouldn't only talk about monetary return on investment. Sometimes we do things just because they're the right thing to do. Okay, hold that thought for one second. I'm gonna try to explain this. Hopefully, I'm in, I, I put this in as a topic for a um, conference. Hopefully, hopefully it gets picked. So let's think about it this way. Twenty years ago, probably there was this huge campaign about carbon monoxide. Maybe it was longer. Like it's odorless, it's colorless, it's tasteless, and it can kill you. Oh my god! And so we literally get every day carbon monoxide calls. No one in the house is sick. And the call literally goes like this. My carbon monoxide detector is beeping. Well, if you turn it over on the back, it says one beep means this, two beeps means that. It's usually one beep means put a battery in me. And two is this thing is old and needs to be thrown away. Okay. But we go out on those calls because it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do to go to Hannah's house at four in the morning to look at her detector and say, you need a new battery because she's scared and it's the right thing to do. Why do we do that for our civilians 
but not for our firefighters. We know we're dying of cardiovascular disease. We know we're dying of suicide and cancer. And we know that we're obese. And we know that we don't know what to do. So why don't we do the right thing, which is give them resources? You think I'm going to get picked? I think that's a really good topic. I, I, I think yeah. if they don't, it's a mistake. Yeah. Okay. If they don't pick me, can I come talk to like your clients at your yeah. gym or something? Because I'm going to feel bad. I mean... <laughs> Sometimes strength coaches are dumb, so I don't know. You never, those meatheads, you just want to talk about more creatine. I mean, come on. You want to talk about more creatine. We could. It's one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. You want to go off on creatine? I can talk creatine. You open a Pandora. I did. I didn't hear too. Wait, let's see. Hannah, what else is on your list? Yes. Hannah has a list here. I have one more uh, fun question, so we can save that for the end. Okay. So we're good on creatine? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Annette, thoughts on creatine. Go. Okay. Here's the thing with creatine. It's the most widely studied supplement. It's safe and it's effective in all populations studied. We know it helps with bigger, stronger muscles. We know it. We also know it's not a steroid, so it is safe, right? But here's the thing that's interesting about creatine, especially in firefighters. There are some they're calling it novel benefits of creatine. Um, at a little bit higher dosage, it helps support cognition under sleep deprivation conditions. So this is why I tell my firefighters, I'm not telling you not to sleep. What I'm telling you is that if you aren't sleeping well, you've got to know how to talk to these guys. <laughs> if you're not sleeping well, creatine helps preserve your cognitive function. That's super cool. There's also some data specifically in women that it is beneficial for anxiety and depression. Awesome. There's some data at higher dosages that it is wonderful post-concussion. So I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys know all about that. Um, the dosage, though, is really high, 0.4 grams per kilogram for 60 days. I was like, well, that's really high. So for me, that's like 30 grams of creatine every day for 60 days, but I'm all about it. But the cool thing that, that they've found is that in because of the way creatine works and it's drawing the water into the cell, during structural firefighting, we may have decreased heart rate, sweat rate, and core temperature. Bonus. Yeah. So um, there's just, I'm not into convincing people. I'll never, I don't try to convince people, but for me, you should consider creatine. Like, I'm the so what, now what person. Okay, so what? I told you, now what? I would consider it, especially if you're a firefighter or an athlete or an old lady like me. I, I've been trying to get my parents on creatine for 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 a while. And just in because I've read the cognition things and just um, yes. the heart stuff. It, it's some very, very interesting stuff. Now, just to be clear, because I don't want you, you said it very well. You didn't say don't sleep and take creatine. <laughs> You said sleep as much as you can and hey, a little creatine, you know, will be a very, you know, beneficial thing in the, in the, you know, same process. Yeah, you got to be careful. How do you talk to firefighters? I, I left one day and basically the next day I came back and they're like, um, the nutritionist lady told us we should drink diet pop instead of water. I'm like, no, that is not <laughs> what I told you at all. What I told you is that diet is a better selection than full sugar soda 
but we should endeavor to drink a lot more water. That's what I told them. Got lost in the translation. There's blinders, built-in blinders. Right, 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 right. Creatine also for in the elderly, that would be me, population. um, Great data on bone health too. So especially for your mom. But higher dosages than that five grams per day. I think they're going with 0.1 grams. I'm sorry. Yeah, 0.1 grams per kilogram. What's the, um, when you see stuff like that, is, is there a cycling piece to that on off type thing or just up to that 0.1 and hold? Yeah, not not anymore. All of the original research on creatine was done with this big loading phase. And then you you draw back to five grams and people speculated like, oh, we need to cycle off it. That was back when people thought it was a steroid, I think, but it, it's just three amino acids and your body makes it endogenously endogenously wow words are hard and so we just don't make optimal amount for ourselves as it turns out women don't make as much either and we're also not as receptive to the effects of it which sucks it's tough being a female that's what i hear i know well can we just talk this was before we started recording adam actually said he thought we were the same age and i shot that one straight straight down but because that made me, you look so young that's what it was it made an old lady pretty happy let's just say that <laughs> women know how to take pictures better we established this prior to starting what'd you say that women know how to take pictures better oh right oh should we revisit that picture tutorial i think we should okay well but yeah. th things i've learned today guys wait do you have more real questions adam uh, hannah has one more very important question. It's so important. Okay. Let's hit it. Miley, the, I, this is good. Go with this. Um, so this is a question that we asked our uh, two firefighters that we train on our previous podcast. And I kind of want to turn it into a, a thing that we ask everyone involved in fire. If you could change the siren on either the ambulance or the engine to a song, what song would you want it to play? So easy. So easy. It would be the ambulance and it would be a ludicrous move, bitch, get out the way. Is that a copy of someone else's though? <laughs> no, that's the best answer. <laughs> I think I that think, one was <laughs> I think that's what the other two guys wanted to say, but they didn't want they wanted to keep it PG. So they, oh, I don't keep it PG. Hopefully you don't have to like bleep me out. <laughs> I love how you well, did it. It just came. You just said you didn't hesitate at all. <laughs> like, oh no, I've I've been dreaming about this since I started the fire service. Um, well, see now I'm taking over your podcast like I own it. But here's the thing, listeners. Before they pressed record, we were talking about my setup. Like, I it's really kind of dark. I keep trying to fix it, but it's not working that well. But also, I do have hair. This is a hat. But anyway, we're talking about my camera setup, and Adam said. Like, what kind of camera is that? It looks really good. I'm like, oh, it's just the camera that comes on my computer. And then I was saying, I have it up on a tripod thing because otherwise it would be like this view. And then Hannah and I were talking about taking pictures of people. Gentlemen, if you do not know this, you need to understand this. When you take pictures of people, do not hold that iPhone down at your belly button and point it up at us. Do not do that because this is how we're going to look and we're going to be pissed. You take that up over, over your head, over. You tilt it down just a, just a little bit. And then you hit that button 87 times, 87 times. 
because when you bring it down, you're going to have at least three pictures that look good. Okay. So none of this, all of this. Got it? Three out of 87. I have to be good. Well, and here's the other thing. If you ever, my poor friends who try to take pictures of me presenting, I have a very expressive face, which seems to come off okay when I'm actually speaking. But when you're taking still pictures of it, it's like this. <laughs> and so I tell them, you just need to keep taking, like take a thousand, I'm not even kidding. And maybe one will turn out because of this expressive face situation. And when the face isn't doing something, the hands usually are. It's not, it's not easy taking pictures of that sap. It's a hard life it's a hard for life. ladies. <laughs> but you're almost retired. So we're there. The end is near. I know. I know. I'm I'm gonna send you a picture uh after we get done recording. My friend Megan took it at Tactical Annual a couple years ago, and then she put it side by side with that gymnast Michaela. I can't remember that she's like <laughs> Yeah, it's super funny, but also very Fitting image. You guys, you're, you're mm -hmm. twinning? Is that? Hashtag twinning. It was embarrassing. Got it. And I really, really appreciate your time with this. I appreciate, again, and, and Hannah handles the majority of the, the, the training piece. Like She's taking that over. She loves it. It's her passion. Um, I love that just, just listening to you, again, through the Power Athlete guys, Like I, I've been one of their Black One coaches for I don't know how long, and uh, I hate how people make fitness strength d d harder than it needs to be. Like it, it can be very simple. It can be very sweet and, and really building that trust piece. Like you said earlier, is such a big deal. Um, and it, to, to really meet athletes, meet people, meet adults, meet first responders where they are, take them step by step by step by step in which to earn that trust. You don't need magic secret squirrel programs, but you need consistency. You need to show up every day. You need to do your thing every day. Uh, you know, someday, I mean, power athlete refers to it as moving the dirt. Some days you're going to move a shovel full and sometimes it's just a teaspoon, but that that's okay. That's okay. There are those days where you are crushed and you are smashed, you know, and the house had 20 calls the night before and you're wandering in like a zombie, like, okay, well that, you know, we, we ride a bike, we do some foam rolling and we get the heck out, you know, we, and we, we don't kill anything. And then, days where you're feeling good we can kill a little bit um but you 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 are you want you know we want some strength we want a little conditioning we want our people to, you know to, to feel good you really drive wellness sleep is a huge part of that now go save people's lives and 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 do what you do so i just love how you're, you're just simple with it. it it's so simple it might not be exciting but i i truly feel and this is why i'm, I'm we're honored to have you on the the, the show because i this is the right way. This is the right way to do it. Well, you guys are super awesome. And you know what? It isn't sexy. I have, um, I do have a couple thousand followers now on Instagram. I'm really proud of that, Boom. but I will never have as many as my friend who used to do the burpees in the air pack. It just it isn't going to happen because I'm not sexy, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> there we go. And is there anything that you wish we would have asked you? Anything that we left out? Mm, I love this question. And I'm just going to say, I would love if you ever wanted to wander over to the Fire Rescue Wellness Podcast. I have the coolest friends in the world. And what I do is, um, what I try to do is I give you the reason that you might want to care. And then afterwards, you can make your own decisions. So you know, Scott Forbes on creatine, Dr. Allison Brager on sleep, some of the just preeminent experts in the world and 
I'm lucky to have them all as my friends. So come visit me on the Fire Rescue Wellness Podcast. There we go. And we'll put all your all your, all the other information, your bio and all the things in the in the show notes. Um, put it on all the platforms, tag you in the things. I I have some fantastic pictures of you that you sent over. So you do take some oh. good pictures. I was gonna say if you were taking screenshots while we were talking, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor when you're going through the Zoom, just hit pause and you're just gonna be like, oh, what just happened? <laughs> oh, you're fine. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much, Hannah. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And that thank you so much. Listeners, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, fantastic. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we have for you today. If you have any questions, want to chat, or interested in seeing what we're up to in between episodes, head over to Instagram and Facebook and follow at OakStrength. Also check us out at OakStrength.com. If you like this episode, please share it with somebody that wants to live happy, healthy, and strong. If you really like this episode, subscribe and review the Happy Healthy Strong podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Be sure to tune back in next week and remember to keep owning your health.